Good? Oh. Yeah, if you want. Oh. Good morning. Welcome to Bethany Baptist Church this morning. So glad that each and every one of you have made it. We're going to go ahead and get started this, uh, this morning with a time of worship. But before we jump into our first song uh, at the cross, I want to start with a word of prayer and, uh, and just kind of get our, our spirits and our hearts ready to receive from God this morning. And as I was walking in, I did see uh, Brother Kevin Mishana uh, back, and we've been praying for them. He's been... He, he, well, Kevin came really close uh, to death in the last uh, few months, and uh, God just worked miraculously. And if you want to hear that story, talk to us, Sean. It was pretty amazing. And uh, it's just good to have you guys uh, here with us this morning, and, uh, and, and each and every one that has, has shown up. I mean, we, we're, we're always glad to see Coach uh, back uh, after a few months. He's been uh, uh, having a very uh, great and uh, busy spring with uh, lots of groups coming in to the orphanage over there and just God's it was amazing they had a camp a week the, the week that I was there that looked pretty awesome and it's just awesome to see what God is doing anyways that has nothing to do with anything else other than I'm just glad to see everybody here this morning let's go ahead and stand if you would I'll pray and uh, and the ladies will lead us in uh, in our time of worship with our first song being at the cross let's pray father thank you so much for allowing us to be in your house truly there's no better place to be Truly, Father, there's really nothing better to do on Sunday morning than just taking time and, and, and pausing in our life that is sometimes so busy and just meditating on your word, on your grace, on your truth, uh, taking time to allow your spirit to speak to us. And, and Father, that's what we want this morning. I pray that you would uh, use this service to draw us closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's sing at the cross this morning.
everybody can praise the Lord for the cross this morning. He, he has been so good to us. We're going to continue with Christ, our hope in life and death. He is the greatest hope for our life. Let's sing out to the Lord and praise his name this morning. What is our
to sing about the truth that he is our hope in life and death. It's not us, not our own works, not our own perfection. It is Christ who is our hope in life and death. Would you turn to your neighbor and say good morning to the family this morning? It is good to be among the family of God and just great to see each and every one of you on this Sunday morning. Um, as we are still in the dead center of what I call Maycember, all right? It's uh, just kind of like December, but in May, uh, lots of activities, graduations, end of year, school year parties, all kinds of stuff, field trips and all the rest of the stuff, senior trips and all that kind of stuff. I'm glad you're here this morning. Glad you're a part of what God is doing here at Bethany Baptist Church. And uh, we are so thankful for each and every one of you that have made it here this morning. And I want to just I have a few reminders for us as we're looking ahead in the days ahead. Next week, after this service, there will be a plate sale going on here in the Family Life Center. And if you'd like to buy a delicious uh, plate of tacos, uh, you can do that. And that is for the purpose of fundraising towards summer camp. And so we'd like to send as many of our kids and teens to summer camp this summer. And so that will be going on for that. You can take it and go with you. or There'll be plates, uh, I mean, uh, tables and chairs set up in there. And you can uh, sit and eat there if you'd like. So either way, however you'd like to do that. Now, um, I saw... We have a sign-up sheet out in the lobby. If you'd like to donate towards the food that we're going to cook and all the preparation that's going to go on there, you can do uh, sign up there in the lobby. I saw most of the slots were full, but there were a few slots that are still remaining. So if you'd like to be a part of that, we invite you to be a part of that. You say, you, you mean we donate the food and then buy the plates? Yes, we do both things, all right? Uh, it's a great gimmick we have here. No, I'm just kidding. It's, a, it's all for the purpose of sending these kids to camp, and so we're thankful for that. We uh, Church does a great job. You, you folks do a wonderful job, and we're appreciative of that. Um, also... Uh, that uh, next Sunday evening, there won't be classes, the, the uh, small group classes that we normally have. Uh, we're going to have a unified service here, and, and uh, I know we're going to be giving out some scholarships to some kids that are off at Christian colleges and some other things. We'll be celebrating uh, the life of uh, La Hermana Rabanal, who was a lady that was a member of our church for many years, and part of her legacy that her kids want to do is to give out scholarships in her name, and so we'll be doing that next Sunday night. And then um, a couple Sundays after that will be graduation Sunday night, and so that's June 12th. So about two Sundays after that will be uh, uh, June the 12th at night, and we'll be doing graduation night that night. So all the kinder, uh, high school, college grads, all the different levels um, that will be celebrating as a church their accomplishment and thanking God for having uh, provided that uh, going forward. And then uh, coming up also will be the sign-ups as we transition transition for uh, June, July, August, that uh, semester of the small groups, uh, summer small groups, and you'll be having sign-ups in the lobby uh, by next week, Pastor. By next week, right? Um, there'll be signups there, and so that way, if you uh, want to sign up for one of those classes, it'll be a different material, different things going on, and so we're excited about what God is doing there uh, through the small groups on Sunday nights. Folks, it is great to see each and every one of you. Uh, in the English service, we normally kind of have the offering a little bit different. The offerings are going to be in the back. We'll, we'll just leave them back there in the back. And during this next song, uh, if you brought a, a, a material uh, offering that you want to give, you can walk back there and, and, and give it there. If you give online and all that, uh, feel free to do that. But we're going to ask God to bless all the givers in whichever way that you've given and or are giving. And so we'll ask for God's blessing, and then we'll sing this song as our wonderful uh, worship team continues to lead us in worship to the Lord. So let's Let's pray and ask God's blessing on the offering. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Father, it is of your love and mercy that we are not consumed. We thank you for this morning, Lord, that you give us the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, as we sang this morning, it is not because of us, but because of Christ in us, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would just continue to draw our hearts towards you. And Father, we pray, Lord, that we would have an attitude and a spirit 
I'll do this next song that we're going to sing of bowing the knee, humbly coming before your presence, and truly, truly wanting to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we pray that you would anoint your servant as he preaches your word. We thank you for the faithful pastor that we have and the truth that is being shared with us week in and week out. Pray, Lord, that you would be with those of us that are here in this room at this moment, in this auditorium, those that are online, and many of our church family that are out and about. Lord, we pray you keep them safe, Lord, and just continue to bless and guide us. Be with the givers this morning, Father. I ask that you would bless the cheerful giver, Lord, and that you would just provide abundantly above what we need at this moment as a church and guide us to be able to do all that we can to continue to share the light of the gospel here where we are and throughout the world through our missions giving. We just thank you, Father, for your provision. Bless us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship singing, bow the knee. Start shifting our hearts towards being prepared for God's word this morning. song says as you live to love him more let's live to love him more every single day let's walk closer to him always remembering that he is our salvation he is the one who has delivered us and given us hope for tomorrow let's go ahead and praise the lord this morning with the lord is my salvation
this morning and how wonderful it is to be able to sing about that salvation that is found in Christ. If you have your Bibles open to Galatians chapter number 2, Galatians chapter number 2, we have started this series a few weeks ago of studying the book of Galatians and we're studying it verse by verse and uh, seeing what it is that God would have us learn from this letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in an area known as Galatia. And uh, there was quite a few churches that he was writing to, and, uh, and the Christians in these churches uh, needed to hear uh, from th- what he was teaching them. False teachers had come into their churches and uh, were teaching a, a false doctrine. Uh, they were teaching a false gospel, and 
Uh, the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration and leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, was led to write this letter and, and teach uh, those Christians about the freedom they had in Jesus Christ. So this whole book is about freedom. And, uh, and we learned a little bit as we studied the first five verses on the first week, talking about uh, what really outlines the book and, and how the Apostle Paul was focused on his, uh, his mission or his commission, how he's focused on the message and the ministry that God had given him. And then we looked at verses uh, number 6 down to verse number 10 as he was uh, speaking about fighting for the faith and why uh, he was a little bit surprised that when the false teachers got there, the Christians at the church there of Galatia were just kind of uh, swallowing those that wrong teaching hook, line, and sinker. He, he said, man, you, you, were, you were going a good way, the right way, and uh, these false teachers came and they deceived you and you fell for it. And, and he said, I, I'm just a little bit disappointed and surprised that you did that. And, and how he encouraged them to fight for the faith because that's what he was going to do. And then we learned uh, as we studied from verse 11 down to verse 24 last week of persevering through criticism. He, he kind of talks about that. Now, let me say that chapter one, if we could summarize it, was Paul really... Um, communicating the message that there is freedom uh, in the mission that God had called him to do. He was really focusing on that in this first part of the letter. They were questioning, uh, the false teachers were questioning the apostleship of Paul. They were saying, how can you believe that he's an apostle? He didn't, he didn't uh, learn at Jesus' feet. He wasn't there with the other 12. I mean, how can you really accept his apostleship? And so, uh, the Paul was kind of communicating to them, I am an apostle, not because of the 12 told me I was an apostle or not because I was with Jesus when he was here in his earthly ministry, but rather because God himself appeared to me, the resurrected Christ appeared to me on my way to Damascus and, and he made me an apostle and he's the one that gave me this mission and, and he's really kind of defending his apostleship and, and showing them, look at I have freedom and the freedom that I have because of the gospel that I received from Jesus. And so the freedom of his mission is really what he's communicating. When you get to chapter 2, the, uh, the tone, I guess, can change a little bit. The perspective changes a little bit where he now speaks of the freedom of his message. All right, first he was defending my mission that God's called me to do. Now he's going to defend the message that he is preaching. So I want you to keep that in mind as we start in what our Bibles say, chapter 2, I do want to remind you, when Paul wrote this letter, he didn't write it with chapters and verses, okay? He just kind of wrote the letter. But we kind of divide it this way. It's easy to find and look up passages to get back into things. If, you, if you're wondering, if you've ever wondered, why are there chapters and verses? That came years, centuries later, okay, after uh, the, the books of the Bible were finished, written, uh, probably around 300 years later, 400 around there, um, a man came along and just to make it easier to study and to remember where passages were in the Bible, came up with the system of chapters and verses, okay? That is not like inspired by God. Uh, so uh, if, you, uh, if you're studying uh, the, the Bible, you want to remember that because sometimes we get caught up in that. We get caught up in, uh, well, that's where this ends and this begins. Um, honestly, you can read it over and over and, and it'll... Uh, You'll see kind of how 
the Apostle Paul kind of changes tone and direction in the letter that he's writing. And, uh, and sometimes that's divided by the chapters, and sometimes it's not. It's just that's the way it works. So um, I just want to share that as we're getting to chapter 2, you'll see, though, the difference that comes along. And so keep it in mind, he's looking at the freedom of his message. Now notice what it says in verse number 1. It's this, Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, be, be, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seemed to be somewhat, let's say ever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person, for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given under me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. So what's Paul talking about here in this part of the letter? This is the message of the freedom that we have in the gospel. The message of the gospel is that we're made free by God's grace alone. It's not by works, it's not by what we do, it's not by what we fulfill or the list that we accomplish, but freedom only comes by grace alone, apart from the law. This was Paul's message. Now, the reason that he's having to re-emphasize what we maybe, if you grew up in church, have always known or heard, that salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone, there's nothing added to it. The reason this is so important, because early on in our Christian faith, in church history, these false teachers who had come to the church of Galatia were teaching that salvation, God's favor in your life, comes by God's love and by you doing all the commandments that God gave. If you do both those things, then you'll have salvation. And Paul said, no, that's not true. It's not by grace and works together. It's by grace alone. So now to defend this message, all right, here's what people were saying. And the reason that he starts talking about when he went up to Jerusalem, the false teachers were saying, number one, I don't know that you can trust that Paul's an apostle because he wasn't with Jesus and he wasn't of the 12. Paul said, I got it from the resurrected Christ, right? When, when I was on the road to Damascus, Jesus, after he'd been resurrected, appeared to me. And gave me the gospel and saved me and taught me. All right? So he defended his, his uh, apostleship there. Right? His mission of what he was doing. Now he's defending the message. Now people are saying, well, okay. Okay, maybe, maybe he is an apostle. At least that's what he says. But 
But look at his message. His message is all wrong. I mean, in Jerusalem, that's where we have the synagogues and the temple. I mean, we know the Bible. And look, at we're pretty, pretty sure that it's, yeah, okay, believing in Jesus, but also adding to that good works in your life. That's how you get salvation. And Paul's correcting that. So they're asking then, why did you go to Jerusalem, Paul? They're telling the people in Galatia, hey, he went to Jerusalem. He's looking to, to have them approve of his message. Paul says, I don't need approval from the disciples or from the church in Jerusalem. Right? There's no system for a pope and, and priests, and there's nothing of that. The approval that I sought is from God and God alone. But why did I go to Jerusalem then? He said, I went to Jerusalem to defend the message of the gospel. I went to Jerusalem to make sure people understood Right, The people there in Jerusalem that understood that the gospel I'm preaching is the same gospel they're preaching. Okay, Making sure that we're clear on what the gospel is. It isn't grace and the law. It's not good works and a little bit of Jesus in your life. No, it's all Jesus, 100%. His work on the cross, His work of grace in our hearts. It's His salvation that He offers to us. All in grace alone. So Paul's facing this pressure uh, from these false teachers, and he's trying to explain that message to the Christians in this letter in Galatia. So how does he do that? What steps does Paul take? Because there are some things that, though we're going to come and explain exactly why he's writing what he's writing, there's some greater truths that we can apply into our life. For instance, Paul is being very much misunderstood and taken out of context, okay? Paul is being lied about in what he's doing. And then they're saying, well, you know, look at his message. I don't even think it's the right message. I think it's the wrong message. I, and and they're, they're trying to distort the truth. They're trying to make Paul look like what he is saying is absolutely wrong. What do you do when that happens? What do you do when you're misunderstood, taken out of context, and all that is happening? Well, look at some steps that Paul took when it comes to defending the message of the gospel, that we could probably apply some of those principles in our life. And that way, when we're misunderstood, follow these steps and, and see how, how God can use that uh, to help clarify exactly what your position is and, and what you're doing for God in, in the ministry. So notice, first of all, what he does. First of all, in your notes, you see that uh, Paul communicates the message. He says in verse number one, I went up to Jerusalem after 14 years, right? I went with Barnabas to communicate, right? Communicate unto them the gospel which I preach. Paul's first step was to communicate what it was that he was preaching, the message of the gospel. Now, the temptation to write them off was probably very high. Paul didn't need to explain himself to the people at Jerusalem. He didn't have to do that. But he understood, like, it's probably important to communicate. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. They're, now, there were some, the false teachers were not Christians, but there are others that were Christians that were listening to these false teachers. So he was trying to help those Christians not follow a wrong doctrine, right? Um, he was trying to help these Christians in Jerusalem to not fall for what the people in Galatia were falling for. So he's going to Jerusalem to share the gospel, to make sure, hey, we're all on the same page. Let's explain, what is the gospel? What is it that we're preaching? So he communicates that message to them. And notice that, first of all, it was by revelation of God to go up and do that. 
okay? It wasn't because he was mad at them. It wasn't because he's like, oh, they're saying that? Oh, let me go face them face to face, see what they say. It wasn't that. That was not his purpose. That was not in his mind. It wasn't the thought that motivated him to do that. But it was rather God. God told him, by revelation, Paul, I need you to go to Jerusalem and help those that are there. We need to, we need to make sure we clarify the message of the gospel. So, so Paul's going up to Jerusalem, not to say, hey, see if you think my message is okay. No. He's going to tell them, here's what the message of the gospel is. It's what was given to me, and I want to be clear on it, that it's grace alone. And it was by revelation of God to go. And just as he received the message of the gospel when he's on the road to Damascus, that Jesus could change him and save him, that he was the light of the world, that's the message he's going to share with them in Jerusalem. Now, I love that he put by revelation, I love that he just kind of puts that little detail, it, it kind of almost can seem insignificant, but it really is significant because of this. And here's the thought, that he was there following what God had asked him to do. Paul had gotten so accustomed from the moment that he got saved to just say, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. He wasn't going to go and ask all his you know, Christian friends, what do you think? Barnabas, what do you think? Hey, Titus, what do you think? It wasn't going to be by committee. It was simply going to be, if that's what God is asking me to do, by revelation of God, if he's asking me to do it, I'm going to do it. He had made it a habit in his life to just follow when God spoke to him. Follow and obey right away. I put this in your notes. In Acts chapter 26, when he first got saved, God says, I'm going to use you for this and that to go to the Gentiles. And at the very end, all right, I put the whole passage there, but at the very end, he tells the last two lines, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. In other words, when God reveals something to me, O King, I went and did it. Whether that was to go and share the message of the gospel uh, to people in Galatia, whether it was to go to Jerusalem and share with the people there the message that I was preaching, whatever God wanted me to do, I was ready to do. I was going to go. All right? And so in the midst of being misunderstood, Paul is saying, listen, here's what I want clear. Not my name, not my reputation. What I want to be clear in all of this is the message that I'm preaching. It's the message of grace. It is the gospel that I received. So I want you to notice, first of all, he communicated. He said it was by revelation of God to go. And then you'll notice that he writes telling them that it was to the leaders in Jerusalem specifically. Uh, he says there in verse number two, but privately to them which are of reputation, lest by any means I should run and had or had run in vain. Those of reputation, he's talking about the leaders of the church. He said, I, I met with them privately, right? Because he said, I didn't want to make a big spectacle and, and start calling people out in public. That's not why, my intention. He said, I, I wanted to meet with the leaders and let them know this is the message I'm preaching. And if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. Tell me what it is that the Bible is saying that's contradicting what I'm saying. All right? Uh, that's why Paul he said, I just don't want to be running in vain. Now, once again, he's not saying that to say, do you approve of what I'm doing? What he's saying is, I am sharing the message of the gospel that you're saved by grace alone. Then people are coming in after me, talking to the Christians, people that just got saved, and telling them, okay, now you got to do the law so God won't be mad at you. Uh, you know, Paul only gave you a little bit of the message of the gospel. Let us give you the whole message of the gospel. And that means that you got to follow the law. 
everything that the law commands. Listen, when I'm talking about the law, I'm talking about in the Old Testament what God commanded the children of Israel to do. One, as was noted, is being circumcised. If you're a male, you've got to be circumcised. If not, well, you're not part of God's family because all of God's family. God told Abraham, get circumcised and all his descendants, and the law says you've got to do that. The law says you've got to eat certain things and abstain from certain things. So, you know, uh, like eating red meat, like if you want a really nice, good steak, medium well, can't have it. Can't have it. Now, that sounds a little bit silly to us, but that was what was being discussed. What can you eat? What can you do? What can you wear? I mean, there's all that you have to do, all of this, if you want God to save you. And Paul says, no. You say, and he said, I I don't want to be teaching people, this is a gospel message for you to come after me and confuse them. (laughs) So let's get it straight about what the gospel is. So he's writing to these Christians in Galatians saying, so this is why I went to Jerusalem. One, because God told me to go and communicate to them the message of the gospel. And number two, so that uh, they would know uh, that this is what uh, God has called me to do on this message to give. Uh, This is for the leaders of the church because once you get the leaders, someone has said this, and, and I don't know who the originator of the saying is, but have you heard everything rises and falls on leadership? Right? It's a, it's a pretty common saying for leaders. And the thing is, if the leader's wrong, it can do a lot of damage, right? Um, I, I've been reading just different uh, World War II books for some reason the last three weeks. And, um, and it's amazing, though, uh, some of the stories that are told of sergeants and, and colonels that just made a bad decision. And because of that one person's bad decision, a whole battalion gets wiped out, Right? The leader of that group of soldiers with one bad decision can affect the lives of the rest of them. So Paul is saying, I went because I know if the leaders are teaching wrong, everybody else is going to be wrong. So he's going to communicate this message. Then notice, secondly, as he continues writing, he explains that he's going to continue giving the message. In verse number three, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, who was was compelled to be circumcised, And that because of false brethren, unaware is brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. In other words, we didn't didn't follow them. We didn't say, we didn't didn't listen to them. So the second thing you see is Paul's continuing in giving the message. He wasn't going to change the message because now he's in Jerusalem and, hey, this is what people in Jerusalem do. This is what the church over here does. He didn't change the message. I said, okay. And I, I'm, he had Titus with him, and he makes the note there, as you see in the letter, that Titus was Greek. Now, this was important because that means that Titus did not grow up going to the temple. Titus had not been circumcised. Titus was not following the strict diet that was called upon by the law. And Paul was saying, and I want you to notice that when I went to Jerusalem and I spoke with the church leaders, none of them said to Titus, well, you're not saved, even though he wasn't circumcised, even though he was a Greek. No one told him that because he understood and had accepted the message of the gospel. What is the message of the gospel? That we're saved by grace alone. It's not grace and the law. It's not our works at all. It's just by grace alone. He said Titus accepted that message, and nobody could say of Titus, oh, he's not saved. The leaders were starting to go, 
Well, that's interesting. You listen to Titus and what he's preaching and saying and doing in ministry is good. It's pleasing to God. Yet he didn't grow up like us. He doesn't look like us. He, didn't, he doesn't do what we did. Paul is saying, because that's the gospel. The gospel is not a racial thing. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about only a certain group of people. No, the gospel is for everyone that accepts the message of Christ died for me. The grace of God in my life. That's the message. So, Paul continues to give that message. And the message entailed, if you see, that freedom in Christ is apart from the law. The gospel is not the message of a particular practice or cultural norm, but rather the message of freedom from sin and its consequences. And so, here, Titus is used as an example for that. That's why Paul writes about it. People in Galatia didn't know who Titus was. All right? Most likely, they didn't know who he was. So there he was saying, Titus, he's a Greek. He went with me up there to Jerusalem and notice. They didn't compel him to get circumcised, and they saw in him that he was saved. They saw that he was free in Christ apart from the law. Paul was continuing to prove that the message of the gospel was greater than cultural or national ties. And it is. It's greater than that. In the early church, a lot of the first Christians were, of course, Jewish. Okay, Christ, in case you didn't know, was born and raised in Israel. Right? He was Jewish as, well, as far as ethnicity right? and culture. And so the first people that came to a saving knowledge of Christ were people that were Jewish. Well, I don't know about you, but it's hard sometimes to leave the cultural norms that you grew up with, right? Um, we, we know that very well here in the Valley, right? We have two different cultures that we kind of meld together. There's the American culture, there's the Mexican culture, and, and there are things that we carry from both sides, right? Um, it, it's hard to leave that, but we understand this. Paul was saying this, when it comes to the gospel, the culture isn't a big deal. When you make it a big deal, you're wrong. That's what Paul was saying. The Jewish people were trying to say, no, no, no. But if you're going to be Christian or you're going to be following, then you've got to live this way. And Paul said, no, you don't. No, you don't. The gospel is about having our sins forgiven by what Christ did on the cross, putting our faith in Jesus Christ, believing that when Jesus died, he died for my sin. That's the message. And we receive salvation. That's called grace, receiving what we didn't earn. So Paul is saying that that's the message, okay? We're, we're going with that message because that's the message of the gospel. It's freedom in Christ without the law. And then he says in the letter of false teachers trying to bring bondage, right? Of false teachers. He was, he was continuing this message. Hey, there are some of you, though, that are trying to take us out of the freedom that we have and bring us back into bondage. In other words, living your life Believing that you have to have Christ and good works actually makes you a slave to a system, not free in Christ. The gospel is all about freedom. That's what Paul is writing to them about. The gospel is all about freedom. But what some people are doing, even in Jerusalem, is they're trying to make us come back to bondage by teaching that it is grace and good works that gives us salvation. The Bible says we, you, you can't do that. That's, that's not a message of the gospel. In fact, that's a false 
gospel. And in Romans chapter 11, he kind of expounds on that thought. Uh, Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Paul is simply saying, you can't be saved by both. You can't say, man, the grace of God saved me. Oh, really? How do you do that? Oh, when I followed his commandments. Wait, so was it, was it God giving you a free gift or did you work for it? Was it a reward? No, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a free gift. Then how could you say that you did it when you obeyed the commandments, that you received it? That's a reward. We get rewards when we do something for them. That's a reward. A gift is something that we didn't work to get. That's why in our birthdays or special occasions, we get gifts. At work, we get rewards. At work, when we get our paycheck, we don't go, oh, this boss, man, you're so gracious. You're so awesome. Thank you. In fact, we go, is this all I'm getting? Wait, 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 wait. Let's check my hours again, right? Uh, Because it's, it's a reward. And that's why Paul is saying in Romans chapter 11, if it's works, then it can't be grace. If you got salvation by grace, then it can't be works, because if it is, then grace is no longer grace. It's nothing that you receive. And if it works, then it's works, and it can't be any part of grace, because you earned it and you deserve it. You see how Paul is trying to help them understand. This is the early Christians. They don't, they, this is like, they're, they're hearing this for the first time going, oh, yeah, now, now that makes sense. That the message that Paul is preaching, that makes sense to me. And you know what? There is false people, false brethren calling themselves Christians that they're not Christian, and they're trying to bring us into bondage. And it started to make uh, make clear what was happening. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul said, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Paul, Paul said, we, we were adopted into God's family. We didn't work our way into his family. We were adopted. So, so what is Paul doing in this part of the letter? Defending the message of the gospel. What is the message of the gospel? It's that we have freedom in Christ alone, apart from works. So he communicates the message, and then he continues in that message. He's consistent with it. Then notice number three, what he writes to them. Paul's clarifying now the message when you get to verse number six. He begins to clarify the message, what exactly the message of the gospel encompasses. It's not a message that is only for a certain few. It's not a message that can only be given to the special privileged leaders, but rather it is suitable for all. The gospel is for everybody. If you grow up in a Jewish home, hey, the gospel is for you. If you grew up in a Greek home, hey, the gospel is for you. If you, if you grew up in a Mexican home, hey, the gospel is for you. If you grew up in an Asian home, hey, the gospel is for you. It's for everybody. Paul will say, that's why we take this message out. It's not just for the people in Jerusalem. It's not just for the people that want to follow your cultural norms. No. It's for every culture in every place. You see, I love that Paul puts here, he says uh, in, in verse number six, God accepteth no man's person. In other words, there's, God sees everyone the same. Now, here's what, what, what had happened. If you're wondering, how, how did they get to that point? What happened was Abraham, if you remember Abraham, right? he's the father of the nation of Israel. Abraham was visited by God, right? 
And God chose him and he said, through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless all the nations. Okay? By you. Now, what happened? Now, you're talking about years and years later. All right? Thousands of years later now. The people that were his descendants, the Israelites, began to believe that just because you're an Israelite, you're someone special. You're a higher class of people. God loves me more. God cares for me more than the others because I'm part of Abraham's family. I'm an Israelite. And so Paul has to explain to them, actually, no. You know, you're not any more special than someone that grew up as a Greek. You know what the only difference is? You have a bigger responsibility as an Israelite. God revealed more of himself to you than he did to them. That makes a bigger burden of responsibility. We'll, we'll get into that later in the letter. But that's all Paul says it is. Paul says the, the message of the gospel, though, that's, that's suited for everyone. It's not just for you, you Israelites, you that you think you're better than, than every other culture. You're not. So he clarifies uh, that message. And, and I love in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, I put that in your notes. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's the conclusion of all that. Paul said, no matter your cultural background, your history, what experiences you've had in life, God can save you. God can change you. That's what the grace of God does. That's why you can't earn it. It's something that is unattainable through our works. So as he's clarifying the message, he says it's suitable for all, and then he says it's from the same source, all right? Uh, in verse number 7 and verse number 8, that's basically the message that he's given. He's saying, um, Peter, he had a revelation from God to, to, to reach the Jewish people because Peter was Jewish and he knew the culture really well, and he said, hey, you're going to go to that culture, you know them, give them the message of Christ. But you know, that same message that you were given to give to the Israelites, I was given to give to the Gentiles. The source is the same. The message is the same. Listen, the, the reason that we got out of the temple, the reason that they're running us out of the temple and the synagogue was the reason they were running Jesus out of the synagogue. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I can give eternal life. And they didn't like that. The Judaizers were like, no, 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 no. The only way you can have new life is by following everything that's in the law. All the Ten Commandments, and there was all, added to the Ten Commandments, by the way, there was over 600. So you got you to keep all 600 law, and then, you know, if you're good enough, then God will God'll be okay with you, and God will give you salvation. And Paul said, no. Let's, let's Clarifying the message, he was saying, it's the same grace. The same grace that saves you out of the law is the same grace. Uh, message that saves you from the law. It's just, it's the same message. We have the same source. So he says, whether it's to the circumcision or to the uncircumcised, let me tell you, the message stays the same. We're not working against one another. We're working with one another. Now that's important because here's what the false teachers were saying. They were saying, well, 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 to the Christians in Galatia, they were saying, you know, Paul is saying that, but Peter, James, and John, and, and the other disciples in Jerusalem, they don't, they don't stand with Paul on that. That's not their message. And the people in Galatia are like, oh, well, what's their message? Well, their message is, yes, you, you know, you, you've got Jesus, but Jesus was just a good teacher, and he was teaching the law. And so really the secret is you just got to be following the law for salvation to, 
to reach your home and to change your life. Paul says, no, that's not true. And so he's explaining to them as he's writing to them, look, when I went to Jerusalem, I met with Peter, James, and John. And we talked about this message, the message of the gospel. And you know what we came to the conclusion of? We're preaching the same message. That's why at the end it says, and he gave them, they gave him the right hand of fellowship. That was more than just a handshake. In other words, hey, we agree with what you're preaching. Paul, we agree with what you're doing. And Paul said, the message that, I, that they agreed with wasn't a new one that they gave me. In fact, they added nothing to my message. They just simply heard my message and said, that's right. What he is saying is completely 100% true and 100% correct. So the message was clarified of the gospel, saying it was, it's the same message. Just that, you know what? Peter and James and John, they were called to reach the people in their area there in Jerusalem. They know the culture. They know the people. They're reaching them. But, but Paul, Paul was called to the Gentile world, to those in Syria and Cilicia and Iconium and Lystra and all these different cities that were there in, in Turkey and Greece and Rome that we know today, and the, there in that area of the Middle East. Paul said, I was called to reach them. So we're not working against one another. Our messages aren't different. They're the same. They're just called to a different place, and I'm called to a different place. And I love that, by the way, because just practically, if I could insert it, it's not even in my notes, but just to insert this, I love that because, you know what? You and I have the gospel, same gospel, but God's placed you in different places than he's placed me. And he's placed you in a job where you understand where the company's doing. You understand the people that are working there because you work with them every day. You've gotten to know them. God's saying, hey, I want you to minister to them. Help them. I I love that. We're working together in all of this. It's not like, well, pastor's got his ministry, I got my ministry, and we don't don't associate. (laughs) What are you talking about? The God that called me to do what I'm doing is calling you to do what you're doing. And and, and listen, don't don't wait for me to, to go and say, let me see what you're doing. Let me see if I approve of that. Listen, if God approves of it, go with it. Okay, we're we're both serving the same master, in other words. Time's getting away. So we see in chapter two, right, as we're going through it, Paul's with the message. He communicates the message, right? Then he continues in that message, and then he clarifies that message. And lastly, we see that uh, the apostle Paul begins to uh, give the commission of the message. Verse number 9 and verse number 10 there, this portion of the letter, he kind of shares what his commission is with those in Jerusalem. Listen, though the church in Jerusalem did not call Paul, they didn't save Paul, they didn't teach Paul, but there was one thing that the church did do in this meeting, and it was that they recognized that the gospel that he was preaching was the truth. They recognized Paul's commission, his calling. You see, Paul's commission of the message was recognized by the church. The church is not in charge of creating new truth. Now, I want to be real clear on this. There are false churches that want to create new truth. For instance, the Mormon church would create new truth. 
They want to say that Jesus wasn't God. Uh, they, they, they want to teach a wrong and different doctrine than what the Bible teaches. In fact, they would say that really the Bible is not the most reliable book. They would say the Book of Mormon is more reliable than the Bible. In fact, the, the angel had to come and give Joseph Smith a whole new revelation because the Bible just wasn't good enough and clear enough. And Paul said, be careful with that, false teachers. The church is not to establish new truth. But you know what the church can do is recognize the truth. What the, Paul, what, what the church did for Paul is, is, and this is why he's writing this to the people in Galatia. He's like, I just want you to know, they recognize that what I was doing and what I am doing is the right thing. So what I'm teaching you, I, I know there's people that came in after me that went up to you churches in Galatia and said, no, you can't trust Paul, you can't do and I'm telling you, I went to Jerusalem. They all gave me the right hand of fellowship. They all agreed what Paul is doing is the right thing. What Paul is teaching is the truth. They recognize the truth of the message. So it's so important for us to understand that that was what the church's role was in all of this. As that way, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul could write to the church in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. Uh, unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's for everybody. It's suitable for everybody. Listen, everybody knows that. They have commissioned me to do that. Even the church in Jerusalem recognized that. But the commission wasn't just that of recognizing the truth. You'll notice it was to remember the poor. At the very end there of this section of the letter, he says, but they told me that I should remember the poor. This, the same which I was doing already. They just said, a good reminder for Paul. Paul, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep helping the poor. Keep remembering them and ministering to them. I don't know if the church had this on their mind because of the need that was presently there with them. Fourteen years before, Paul had gone to Jerusalem to give an offering for the poor that were in Jerusalem. And maybe they were just reminding, hey, Paul, we're still in that need, and just keep doing what you're doing. Um, Paul really isn't exactly clear on why they said that, but he said, that's what they said. Just keep remembering, keep ministering to the poor, keep doing what you're doing. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 talks about this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 teaches us this as well. Um, doing that ministry, working for God in that way. So let me wrap this up. Galatians chapter 2, Paul's all about now defending the message, the message of the gospel by grace alone, apart from works. He said, let me communicate the message to you. I'm going to continue giving this message because I'm consistent with it. I'm going to clarify exactly what I mean by the gospel. It's suitable for everybody. It's not a cultural thing. And then I'm going to tell you what God has called me to do, the commission he's given me. And the church said, I recognize it and keep going, Paul. Keep doing what you're doing. What are some principles from all of that? Some principles are this. Sometimes we're going to be misunderstood. Sometimes we're going to be, people are going to be unsure of our intentions of what we're doing for God. And I just want to tell you this morning, hey, if God, if it's not against what the Bible says, keep going with it. Keep going with it. God's called you, keep going forward with it. Can I say, in those moments, apply these four principles. 
communicate. You know, sometimes being misunderstood or people being unsure of our intentions, sometimes it's just a lack of communication, right? Sometimes we're just not clear as to what we're wanting to do. Be clear with it. Be clear about what God's called you to do. Secondly, continue doing what God's called you to do. You don't stop and change just because someone didn't like that message. Well, is it biblical? Is it truthful? Okay, then keep going with it. Clarifying. Take time. Maybe ask a question every now and then. Hey, what, what is it that you're unsure of? What is it that you think I'm not doing right that's not biblical? And then remind them of what God's called you to do. Right? This is a way to deal. These are steps you can take when being misunderstood or when people are unsure of the intentions that you have in living what you're doing in your Christian life. Follow those four steps. This is what Paul did, and we see that it was something that he recommended for those in Galatia to do, something that he wrote about. Uh, so don't get bitter. They're just saying this. They don't understand me. Hey, don't get bitter about that. Bitterness ain't going to help us. All right? Just remind. Just communicate. Continue. Clarify what needs to be clarified. And remember your commission. God's the one that sent you. Keep doing it. Steps that Paul took, and I think it's steps that we can take as we... Uh, as we take this message of the gospel uh, to others in our life. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much uh, for uh, your word. Thank you for the truth of the book of Galatians, Father, how, how it teaches us so much about what we ought to do with the message of the gospel. Thank you for the testimony and the work of the Apostle Paul, what he did, Father, to make sure that us who maybe did not grow up in a church environment, a religious environment, understood how clear and simple the message of the gospel is. Father, I pray that you would help us to just kind of meditate on that, meditate on this truth, and, and help us to find a new appreciation of the message of the gospel. The fact that it is by grace alone, by your love for us and your mercy, that you have gifted us salvation. We can't earn it. We never could earn it. Oh, but Father, you have made us your own, your own children. You've given us an inheritance because you're such a gracious God. Help us to never leave that message. Never Help us to never change that message. Help us to never dilute that message to, to something that it is not. I pray that we would always share that message of the gospel and remember that message of the gospel and live that message of the gospel in our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand this morning and sing our, our last song, My Worth is Not in What I Own. And, and let me say, as we're singing this song, we're going to also be preparing. We're going to have uh, one uh, baptism this morning. I'm so excited about that. Uh, uh, Brother Daniel Palacios uh, went through our new members class and uh, has not made that, taken that step uh, of faith there in baptism, but today he's going to take that step. So what a wonderful blessing that is. And so we'll be doing that. We'll be getting ready as, uh, as we sing this last song uh, this morning.
to this song. <laughs> Let's do rejoice, yes. Ready and I rejoice in my redeemer. Greatest be seated and prepared here. Um, I know this is uh, kind of a unique time as far as uh, trying to get everything ready for a, uh, a baptism, one one baptism. We're so thankful for what God has done and uh, seeing uh, these steps. And I know um, we've had several go through the New Believers class and some that have been baptized and some that were waiting to be baptized. And I know that uh, Daniel is among that group of those that were uh, that were uh, going to get baptized, and so so thankful for that. Thankful for his testimony, and uh, I know Pastor Jeremy is going to get himself set up. And as Daniel gets set up, I know we got a microphone, so uh, I mean a mic stand. Mike six, Jakey, Mike six. I'm just trying to avoid to get electrocuted. So, um, as I said, it's such a blessing to uh, to just see uh, those that are following Christ obey the commandments of Christ. And uh, this last, I guess it was, I don't know, it's been like last eight weeks, we had our uh, New Believers class. And through that class, Daniel uh, Palacios was a part of that class. We talked about what it means to be a member of the church and how we become members of the church and things like that, and um, at the end of the class, uh, we have an opportunity to say how many, if, if you've already made a decision to be a follower of Jesus uh, and would like to continue taking that first step of obedience to uh, be baptized, is there anyone like that? And, uh, and Daniel spoke to me after that class, and uh, he said he had a desire to do that. He has accepted Christ when he was younger in his life, but had not followed in believer's baptism, and, uh, and, and these I guess the last year or so, maybe a little bit more, God's just been working on his heart, and, uh, and he felt led uh, to make that decision today and follow in believer's baptism. I hope you're ex as excited as I am to see him uh, take that step of faith, and so I'm going to ask Dan if you will come, and uh, we'll baptize him. Christ as your personal Savior, Daniel? Yes, I have. All right. In that testimony, then, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Here you go. Give us a final announcement. 
take five, JD. Um, let's take, oh, sorry. Yes. Are we welcoming uh, Brother Daniel to uh, the membership of our church? But Miss Stephanie, who was also in that class, she's already been saved and baptized, and uh, but she's also formally being added to the membership of our church today. So we want to make sure and uh, and welcome them. And so I'm going to ask Miss Steph if you would just wait in the lobby with, with Saeed, your husband, and uh, and that way we can uh, welcome you to the uh, to the church officially as a member. And then as soon as Daniel gets changed, you can meet him in the lobby as well. All right. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you guys for your patience this morning and trust that this service will be an encouragement to you. Uh, thank you, Brother Chevy. Yes. And so those of you that do want to participate in that plate sale, adding on to us, being able to get uh, the food in different ways that you can cooperate, see Brother Chevy out there in the lobby, and that way we can get that project going as well. I thank you guys once again for being in the house of the Lord. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. Thank you, Father, for adding to your church. Father, we, we read in the book of Acts that from the very beginning, you added to the church. And so we thank you, Father, because it is your church, and you add according to your will. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to let Bethany Baptist Church be a conduit to see the harvest of souls, and they be seeing lives and families transformed by your grace. Father, in a world full of need, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to be a light. And we just thank you for having been at your house today. Bless us and guide us and keep us from evil. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. Thank you. We'll see you today at 5 o'clock for the small groups.